0: Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Altazan with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, will try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call. It's 499-9526. Of course, that will get you right straight to us. And should you happen to be calling out of the local calling area, mm-hmm.
1: you can always put a 225 in front of that and reach us from anywhere in the continental United States.
0: That's exactly right. And we love hearing from you if you're from outside of our normal calling area. Whoever calls in the furthest area, you just give the producer your address and we'll get an coat t-shirt shipped USPS'd out, PS out there Monday morning. There you go. We were calls the furthest distance, let me put it that way. All right. <laughs> <laughs> if you call Port Allen, it just doesn't get it. <laughs> Nothing against Port Allen, being a Port alien myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I had a gentleman that called me earlier this week at the shop, and unfortunately I was really, really busy at the time he called, so I didn't have time to talk to him as much as I would have liked to. But Mr. Jim Ashton from Ontario, Canada, really called yeah he wow w- operates a mr transmission up there in ontario he uh-huh. says they listen to the show just about every week and that's great yeah very very complimentary gentleman told us how much he liked the show and all that so wish i could have talked to him a little bit longer but he just right between <laughs> between writing about 30 estimates <laughs> that morning so but yeah we really appreciate hearing from you and we like to hear from you on the show if you call us you know of course if you're from the baton rouge area we'd love to hear from you as well give us a call any kind of automotive problems you might have we'll be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction Get you going and get you stopped if that's the case. <laughs> get you going or stop because stopping is really. It's more important than going to me. Well, yeah, it really is, especially <laughs> depending on what you're pointing at at the moment you want to stop. Exactly. Like, that can be a very, very pertinent criteria. <laughs> you had a guy who asked, How do I listen to you live? Because I listen to you on Stitcher, which is a recorded feed. Uh-huh. He said, But how can I listen to you live? I said, Well, we just added a new feature. And if you click on podcast on our site there's a little countdown timer over to the left and it's like a little stopwatch and it counts down how long it is to the next live show okay well when you get that counter down to one hour or less you can actually click on it and it will bring you to a live feed on iheart so Great. you can actually listen to the show live now through the site sure. it puts it in a separate window so you can still peruse around on the site if you like to but it will bring you to a live feed in that way because people say, well, when I get to iHeart, I can't find the show and blah, 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 blah. And you have to type in WJBO, which is a radio right. station that carries our show. So iHeart has it listed as WJBO. They don't have it listed as the Automotive Hour because they don't list every single program on every single station. They merely it's list the stations.
1: It's easier to list the stations. That is, it is
0: correct. But WJBO 1150 AM is our parent station. Uh-huh. So. You could either look it up that way, or you just go to the site, and if you click on that link, that's going to take you right to the right spot on iHeart. So Great. So you can do it even easier. That, that is, sounds I'm like all, a lot I, of thought and uh, uh,
1: ease went into that. Well, one. that's
0: right. I'm all about trying to make it easier. <laughs> 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 trying to make anything easy that you can. And while you're on the site, there's tons and tons of other things you can look at. Put an article on this morning that a lot of people maybe never really give a lot of thought to. Okay. And that is Phillips Screws. Really? And, you know, Phillips screws kind of hold our whole world together, so we think right. about them a lot. But a lot of people will say, you know, I, I keep stripping these screws out, uh-huh. and they don't realize why. And, of course, Moell, well, this whole screwdriver must be worn out and all. What is very surprising to a number of folks and even some technicians is there is not necessarily one cross-drive type screw in general use. And I noticed you didn't say Phillips-type screw, <laughs> you said cross-type. That's correct. Call it a cross-drive or a cruciform is another name for it. But there are actually many different ones. Over the years, there's probably been 20 or 30 variations. Some of them are compatible, many of them are not. And over the years, most of them have gone obsolete, like the Freeson or the Reed and Prince design is largely obsolete. They haven't used it since way back in the 60s or 70s. But there are three that are in very common use today, and if you don't realize that and you just look at it, they look very, very similar, but they don't work. Correct. And that's one reason why you strip out so many screws, because you don't need a Phillips screwdriver, you need the proper screwdriver. Correct. So if you're working on an Asian car, a lot of Asian vehicles use a screwdriver type called a JIS, which stands for Japanese Industrial Standard. And if you notice, if you ever take a
1: regular Phillips screwdriver and put into that, Screw head, it doesn't quite fit correctly. Mm-hmm. That is why.
0: Yeah, it's going to cam out, and it's going to probably round that out. The way you can tell a JIS screw there's normally a little dimple in the face of the screw. And of course, there's photographs on the site that tell you all this. Another way to tell it, it'll be grounded out. <laughs> exactly. to put a Phillips screw on, it. <laughs> on European cars, they use a system called PosiDrive. Uh-huh. And the PosiDrive system, again, is not the same as a Phillips or a JIS, and they all have the cross. They have little hash marks on that one. So if you look at the pictures, you can tell the difference and get the proper tools. And one thing that I kind of mentioned on the site, if you have a shop, let's say you own an Asian car... You might want to ask the shop where you have your car repaired about a JIS screwdriver and see if they know what you're talking about. Exactly. Because that's one good measure of a shop. If they keep up with this kind of technology, they're not likely to be stripping a bunch of screws on your car, but it also kind of tells you something about their commitment to quality. Correct. So that might be something you might want to read and kind of peruse up on. And it, This started out as a fastener-type article,
1: that's and right. it kind of turned into... Oh, my God, look at all this information. <laughs> yeah,
0: and what we're going to do, I'm going to actually add more articles on Fasters as we uh-huh. go along, but I just kind of want to break this one out separately because so much, so much information, information on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. www.agcoauto.com. I think you'll really like it. And we're going to the phone lines with Joe. Good morning, Joe.
2: Good morning, I need to know something about the tires on a truck. I'm getting a new truck, Uh and I got a choice of 18-inch wheels or 20. What's the advantage and disadvantage of them? Can you tell me?
0: Uh, Yes, sir. It's strictly styling, Joe. The newer style of these great big tall tires, It just people tend to like the looks of that. Personally, I would go with the 18-inch tire for two pretty important reasons to me. Number one, an 18-inch tire is going to have more air between you and the road. Because the overall height is roughly the same. And when you go with a bigger rim, you the sidewall profile of the tire gets shorter. Now that's important for a couple of reasons. Number one, if you hit a hole with it, you're not gonna bend your wheel as easy with an 18 as you will with a 20. Number two, it's gonna ride better. But probably more important, if you start pricing the replacement costs, those 20-inch tires are probably gonna cost you about 40% more than 18-inch tires. So if you want to spend two grand for a set of replacement tires, the 20s do look cool. But to me, I would go with an 18. I would not take the 20. Thank you, sir. All righty. Hey, thanks for calling, man. Yo, one of these days, I'm going to learn which I, one of these buttons to push. I don't know. They yeah. both look different. They're I know. in two separate places. I know. I've know. And, I mean, been doing this 22 years. Yeah. I, I haven't got and, figured it figured out yet. you're still pushing the wrong I button. I know it. I know it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> what you going
0: to do? <laughs> <laughs> hey, four nine 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 five two six number. Why don't you go give us a call? I'd be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction.
1: We mentioned the site a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more information on that site then you'll sit down and read in probably a whole afternoon. Well,
0: that's right. You really need to kind of take some time. One thing that we also added is a site map. Just because there is so much information that it's almost hard to find things you're looking for. So we added a site map, and that's in the menu now. You click that, and it brings up a skeleton diagram of everything on the site. Right. So you might find things you never even knew were there. Exactly. And the best thing to do is if you're interested in a a certain topic, type that into the Little
1: search bar. The search bar and there will be more information you'll probably want to read. There's some short information and then if you really want to get into the gist of things, mm-hmm. you can go to the detailed topics which that's right. gives
0: you a complete breakdown of a certain topic. Well that's right. We have the vehicle questions, which there's over a thousand of those and that's just kind of a short to the point answer. Like for instance, what does a W in ten W thirty mean? Correct. Well, short-to-the-point answer. Right. Now, if you want to understand how oil viscosity works or how often you should change your oil or should you use synthetic oil or regular oil, then there's a whole detailed topic, which is much, much more in-depth and goes into detail on that. So that's the two different sides of it. But you will actually probably run out of time before you run out of things to look at. Definitely. There's tons and tons of information A lot of great unbiased information. Well, that's exactly right. Hey, we're going back to our phone lines with Willie. Good morning, Willie.
4: Good morning. Yes, Good sir. morning. I got a 94 Maxima. Okay. With the single overhead cam B6 engine. Okay. I need to replace the
0: valve intake valves. Is that a big job? The intake valves and in the solar heads, Willie? Yeah, you know, the, the well, excuse me, the valve cover gasket. Oh, okay, okay. okay. Big ish, yes. Most of them, the intake manifold kind of lays over the top of one of those you have to take the upper plenum off to get to it one of them is generally a little easier than the other but yeah it's kind of a big deal i want to say four four and a half hour job in a shop probably take you a little longer than that not having done one before one thing you got to be a little careful with too uh willie those older maximas for whatever reason the wiring that they use the type of plastic they use in the insulation has a bad bad habit of getting real real brittle when it gets old Uh Be very, very careful moving the wires and stuff around because you'll crack the wiring insulation up pretty bad and you can end up with some shorts. If you're pretty handy, you got a good set of tools, you could probably do it, but just be real careful with it. Most of the problems we see are in breaking wires while they're trying to do it, but it's it's basically bolt-unbolt type operation. It's nothing that you can't do.
1: I'm not sure about the 94 model, but the later models actually have a couple brackets that hang off the back of the intake. They are very difficult to get to. You need to be ready to go in there with some quarter inch
0: drive stuff and maybe some ratchet wrenches.
1: Yeah. Because there's several on the back. It's a pretty that good selection difficult. of tools right.
0: and, and, and a lot of patience. But yeah, it's not anything you couldn't do yourself. Okay. All righty? Okay. All right. Okay. Thank man. you. Thank yes, you, sir. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. 499 9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive, eye, we'd love to have you. And we've got John online. Good morning, John.
2: Yeah, good morning. This is John from North Stonington, Connecticut.
0: Oh, wow. wow. Hey, John. Good morning.
2: I've been listening for about six months now. I found you through your podcast. Okay, great. And but I've been listening faithfully. It's my first time calling. Oh, good. I got two questions for you today, Lewis. You bet. One is just your opinion. hmm Now, Hyundai auto products. Yes, sir. hmm We both know that when they first came out, they were a little shaky. Mm-hmm. But they seem to have made a lot of progress in the last 10 years or so.
0: They have made some progress, yes, sir.
2: Do you agree that they're what Datsun used to be?
0: Yeah, I would not go quite that far, John. They are what they are, and again, this is my opinion, as you asked for. They are a cheap car with a lot of features. They do a good job of giving a person a lot of features at a low entry price, But in order to do that, as with all engineering, you have to compromise one thing to get something else. They compromise a lot of the things that lead to durability. I don't like them. I would not advise buying one. If if you're in a position where you can buy one, keep it 80,000 miles, trade it, get another one, yeah, you're going to like the car. But – most of the people, at least in this region, they need to keep cars a long time. And if you're planning on keeping a long time, you're not going to be real pleased with it after eighty, ninety thousand miles because things start to break that cost more than the car is worth to fix. And that's just my experience with the cars. They have gotten better, but in my opinion, you can buy a Honda or a Toyota, pay maybe two thousand more going in, have a car that lasts twice as long and sells for three times as much when you get ready to trade it. So. I look at everything from a standpoint of overall cost rather than entry price. It just depends on your situation. If you're in a situation where you have to, you don't just don't have the money to buy a Toyota or a Honda and you can trade this thing before it gets too far along down the line, yeah, they'd probably be okay. They're very much like a Dodge Caravan. The Caravan does almost the same thing in that it gives you a lot of features at a low entry price, but they compromise the engineering to do it. So when you get to 100,000 miles, you're putting a transmission in it, you're putting an evaporator core in it. And the overall cost just tends to eat you up down the road.
2: okay and I'm the kind of guy that usually isn't buying a car until mm-hmm. it's ten years old yes' and sir. has mm-hmm. hundred thousand miles yeah,
0: you probably would not be pleased with that vehicle under those circumstances.
2: okay, well I trust your opinion just from what I've heard the last few months yes, sir I think now you're... from a mechanical point of mm-hmm. view yes sir I have a 1993 Ford Ranger pickup okay. Standing right next to it, mm-hmm. it's a wonderful truck.
0: Yes, they are. They are a good trucks. It's
2: got just about two hundred thousand on the three liter V
0: six. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm.
2: Does the computer on this car keep a history of the check engine issues?
0: Yes, sir. It does a rudimentary history. In other words, it has two memories. One is the active memory where the check engine light is on. Then there is another little longer term memory, but it won't keep it forever. It'll keep it until the battery is disconnected or someone goes in with a scan tool and resets it. But let's say the check engine light comes on and goes off. It will store that data, or at least most of that data. There are probably some codes that do not latch for one reason or another. Most, for the most part, emissions codes are latching codes simply because EPA requires that. Other codes are considered manufacturer's codes, and those are less stringent. Some of them latch, some of them don't latch. But for the most part, yes, they are going to keep it until either the battery is disconnected or the codes are cleared out.
2: Okay, because that's what we're running into. We'll get an intermittent check engine, mm-hmm. and it might reset itself in an hour. It might take a day or two. Yeah, the but light may go off, but it, it should I, still
0: be stored in right. history.
2: Okay, that's great. Mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, You're a little bit of a stretch for me to bring it to you.
0: <laughs> that would be just a bit. Yes, sir.
2: So I, I'll probably go with my local guy. There you
0: go. Hey, John, hang on after the break, and I'll get the producer to get your name and address. I'll get an Agco T-shirt out to you.
2: Well, you know, I look forward to wearing that shirt this summer and drumming up some business Well, for great.
0: You. I appreciate it. And if you take a picture and send it to me, I'll put it on our website.
2: Yes, sir, I will.
0: All right, hang on. we got to take t- a quick little break. We'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour.
2: Ever plan to motor
0: west? Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. i get your
3: kicks on Route 66. Mike Rohn here with Baton Rouge's newest talk show, My Oh My dedicated to helping people who thought the world would end December 21st, 2012. We have an anonymous caller here from the D.C. area. You're on the air.
5: Uh, yes, Mike. I have some serious debt issues.
3: Okay. Let's
5: say I'm in charge of this really big company, and we have this deficit.
0: You know, I thought with the world ending, we'd be okay, but that didn't happen, and I need some cash. I maxed out all my credit cards, but that barely made a dent.
3: Well, it sounds like you need to be on a strict budget. And the first thing I tell you is to make sure you're not wasting money on big-time car repairs. Regular preventative maintenance with Agco Automotive is the key to saving money in the long run and a good way to pay off debt. If you want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go, visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Any other advice? You should look into selling your house and downsizing. I don't think I'm allowed to do that.
0: Hey, welcome back. If you just joining us, the Automotive Hour, I'm your host, Lewis Aldezan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, True two us, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why going not go and give us a call? 499-9526 will get you right straight to us. That's right. 225 will put you anywhere in the continental United States. That's right. You just go ahead and give us a call. I'm glad to try to put you right up at the top of the list. Got to be better than listening you and I talk. Well, about that's it right. Before, we'll huh? sit in just jab at y'all about the rest of the <laughs> rest an hour, but you know, I don't mean to threaten you or anything. I was <laughs> just gonna say, you know, I need your questions that, answered. Now's the time. That's it. Talking to the gentleman earlier who called and he asked the question about the eighteen inch tires and twenty inch tires and all that. Uh huh. What that is is basically just styling because I don't know. I guess life imitates art if you can call it that. But what happens is that a lot of people with custom cars have gone to the bigger tires for one reason or another, looking for a different look. And, of course, average guy sees that. He says, wow, that's cool. That looks really good.
1: And now I can buy it on a brand-new vehicle.
0: Well, yeah, and the vehicle manufacturers are just going to respond to what people buy, not necessarily what people need Uh, or what's best for them. Right. Yeah, it's what they want. And so they're putting bigger and bigger and bigger tires on cars. And when I say bigger, I mean larger wheel diameter. But there's a physical limit to the height of the overall tire that's going to fit on the car. So what happens as the wheel diameter gets larger and larger is that the sidewall profile of the tire gets shorter and shorter. Correct. And that's those numbers, like, let's say a 265, 70, or 17. Well, the 265 means it's 265 millimeter wide at the widest point of the sidewall. Uh-huh. The 70 means it is 70% as tall as it, it is, is wide. And, of course, the 17 is the rim diameter. Well, when you see something like a 255 or 265-40-20, what that means is that it's 265 millimeters wide. It's 40% as tall as it is wide. So the sidewall is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Now, that's important for a couple of reasons. Number one is the amount of air between you and the road, that envelope of air, is what makes the car ride well. Right. Because it acts like a shock absorber. It absorbs it's bumps a cushion. and stuff. It's a cushion. Exactly uh-huh. Right. And not only that, but when you hit a great big pothole and it compresses, the rim is about two inches above the road. Instead of Instead four Instead of four inches. or five or six like right. a conventional tire. So you are much, much more likely to bend wheels, have blowouts. Damage suspension components. Damage suspension components, all those sorts of things. Not only that, it's going to ride rougher. And I guess the other thing is that it is going to cost a whole lot more to replace them because as the diameter of a tire goes up, The price goes up exponentially. (laughs) Correct. And I always advise people when you're looking at a new car, all that stuff is really, really cool and it's all brand new, but you got to think down the road, I got to change some of this stuff. Right. So go and price the difference between, say, the 15 inch tires on your old car, which is maybe $500 for a set of four, and four of these big old 20 inch tires, which might be $2,000 for a set of four, and think about every three, four, or five years, I'm going to have to be coughing up. Two grand for a set of tires. Right,
1: and not only that, I don't know if anyone has seen a tire being mounted onto a rim. Mm -hmm. The taller the sidewall, the easier it is for the technician to get it on the rim correctly. That's right. Now, the shorter the sidewall takes more work. That's right. takes a longer time. Time is money. Mm -hmm. So, therefore, that price also goes up. They cost more to mount
0: and balance. And not only that, but the difficulty of mounting balance means you don't get as good a job a lot of times. We actually have a special machine made just to mount those type tires. Correct. Compresses the sidewall and all that. And that machine is about 10 grand just to mount those type of tires. But if you're going to do it properly, that's what you got to have. But a lot of places do not have that type of equipment. So damage to the wheels and all that sort of things also becomes a problem. Exactly. it's one of those things they actually, I guess the guys in racing and stuff, don't want a lot of flex in the sidewall because they want the car to handle better. Well, and and, and it's that's good what it's that for. perspective. Exactly. And people see it on race cars. And they oh, see it, it on cool. custom cars. And they mm-hmm. say, well, it looks cool, so I'm going to get it on mine as well. But it's just not a practical thing for the most part. Now, if you plan on road racing your car or money's no object, you just want the coolest looking thing, yeah, great. Are you not real concerned about how it rides? Mm-hmm. You know, you can and of course, go for it. Yeah, the last thing is, of course, they become a real, real inviting target to a certain segment of the population. Yes, they do. <laughs> so the likelihood of you going out seeing your car sitting on cinder blocks goes up exponentially when you put 20-inch tires on it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, just a little tip there. We're going back to our phone lines. We've got John online. Good morning, John.
5: Hey, Lewis. Good morning to both you guys. Yes, you sir. Doing? Good morning. Thank you. i got two questions for you, Lewis. You bet. I was on the road the other day in my 2003 Mercury Grand Marquis yes, had a blowout. Okay. I was forced to... Go to a Michelin place and buy mm-hmm. a new tire. Okay. And of course, we had to put the spare on, it and I got to look, and the spare is a full size Michelin, just like what came on. Yes, it. Yes. Uh huh. Would it be safe to have that tire mounted on one of my good rims?
0: As long in, as in what you got to so? watch, John, you got to watch the age of the tire because most spare tires are very old because they've been in the trunk for a long, long time. Usually, it's the original tire that came with the car. Many times it is. Many times. And from that perspective, they are not safe to be put into service. Okay. If that tire is six years old, then it is no longer safe to be used in service. Now, it may be okay as a spare to get you from point A to point B at a low rate of speed, which is what it's designed for. I know Ford's policy is at six years, all five tires come off the car, no exceptions, period. Okay. Because they've been sued because people, back a lady in Texas, uh, went into a tire store, had a Ford Explorer of all things, put the spare tire on with bought three other matching tires, took off down the road, the spare lets go because it's eight years old, vehicle flips over, breaks her neck, she's a quadriplegic for life, which is horrible that it happened that way. But she turned around and sued Ford Motor Company saying, hey, I didn't know it was brand-new tire. How did I know it wasn't safe? So Ford's policy is six years, all five tires off the car, and supposedly if you go on a Ford deal, they won't rotate them, they won't fix a flat, they won't even work on anything to do with the tires if they're more than six years old. Gotcha. Alrighty.
5: Okay, now the second question. You bet. The set of tires, not counting the one I had to replace, has got about 35,000 miles, maybe Uh 40. Okay. So when I put the new one on, there's a slight difference. I mean, it's not visible, but I know that it is because I got a brand new tire on one side of the back, uh, one that's got 40,000 miles yes, on sir. the other. Mm-hmm. Is that going to put any stress on my differential?
0: Very small amount, John. Probably not really noticeable on the back. Now, if you put it on the front, it's going to start pulling one way or the other. It'll be very noticeable. So okay. you're kind of stuck with it on the back. I mean, it's not the best thing in the world. They say you should always change tires in pairs because theoretically one's a bit shorter than the other, and the differential is going to spin. But, I mean, I would say that the odds would be very negligible that it's going to cause any problems.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. All Listen, right. I wanted to tell you, I'd call you a couple of years back. I don't know if you remembered and told you that my car had over 100,000 miles and I was still on the original brakes.
0: Yes, sir. Right.
5: Well, now I'm at 140,000 and they tell me I still don't need brakes. I just, well, just wanted to let great. you know. That's great. Yes, that sir. Well,
0: some people do that. Just a good, easy driver.
5: Anyway, it's good talking to you uh, guys. Uh, Have John. a good weekend. Thanks. Thank man. you. Bye-bye. Okay.
0: All right, we're gonna take a quick little break. We'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour.
3: Mike Rohn here with Baton Rouge's newest talk show, My Oh My'n dedicated to helping people who thought the world would end December twenty first, 2012. Collar, you're on the air. Mike, I feel terrible. Wow, what'd you do? I maxed out all of my credit cards, bought over 200 pairs of shoes, didn't shave my legs for 60 days, and ate primarily chocolate and
4: brie the entire month of December. My stomach's still not quite right.
3: Well, in addition to lots of salads, one thing I can recommend to help recoup some money is to take your car to Agco Automotive. Agco's experienced technicians provide you a quote and then stick to that price so you're never surprised by higher cost. And Agco fixes vehicles right the first time. If you want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go, visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Oh. So, no fruits or veggies for an entire month?
4: Do strawberry pop tarts count as fruit?
3: No, nope, not last time I checked.
4: Hey,
0: welcome back! If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Tune Tools, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Watch, go give us a call. It's four nine 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 five two six, and we would just love to hear from you. Go ahead and give us a call. This uh, nice brisk cold weather out here, boys, bone chilling forty five degrees. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> tell you if that wind
0: would die down,
1: it wouldn't be too bad. It'd be enjoyable. Well, like you know, that.
0: everybody's walking around like, oh my God, it's freezing out here. I said, like, you know, sometimes this was up in Canada. And, right. And like, <laughs> why? 45 degrees. I'd be swimming, you know. That's <laughs> it. But you know, one thing that this cool weather, it does bring on a lot of dead batteries. And it's kind of a funny story, I guess, with batteries. A lot of people think the cold kills a battery. And actually what happens is that heat kills the battery. Correct. Battery is basically a chemical reaction. You've got sulfuric acid, which is The sulfur is combining with the lead and releasing the electrons, which are the flow of electricity that's produced. As with any chemical reaction, when it heats up, it increases. So a battery during the summer, under the hood of a car, batteries are basically optimized for about 70 to 80 degrees operating temperature. Under the hood of a car, particularly in south Louisiana, it can easily be 120 to 150 degrees. Correct. So that Chemical reaction is operating at probably close to 120 to 130%. So it's using that battery up really fast. Now, let's say the battery is weak. Let's say it's lost 25% of its capacity. During the summer, because it is operating at 125%, there's no difference. It's a net sum gain. Because okay. so it's lost 25%, but it's operating 25% over its capacity. So it's unnoticeable. So it's basically unnoticeable. It does its job just uh-huh. fine. Weather starts to cool down. Well, now you're 25% down at standard operating temperature. Because your temperature's coming and down. And you can kind of sort of live with that. You may notice maybe a little bit slow crank, and you may start noticing some fluky things. Maybe your voltmeter's a little quirky, but everything seems pretty much okay. But then what happens is the temperature drops down another 30, 40 degrees. Well, now the reaction has slowed down to maybe 50% of where it originally was. Okay. Because as the temperature goes down, say at 32 degrees, you may only have 50% of the capacity on a brand new, fully charged battery. Right. You have no reserve because you're already at 25%. Now it's slowed down another 50%. percent you got maybe 25% of your capacity left. That's when you have a dead battery. Okay. So people think, wow, the coal killed my battery. Well, no, the cold just revealed the battery. Problem. Exactly. It, it didn't actually kill it. But that's why, generally, if you notice at the shop, the first cold week we have, battery sales go through the ceiling. Sure. Everybody's sure. coming in with their dead batteries and all that. And I guess where I'm going with all this, batteries have a very finite life because they are a chemical reaction. This reaction occurs 24 7. And most of the batteries today are going to last, I think the national average is about three years, 36 months. 36 months? Maybe 38 months. And slightly less in the south because it gets really hot. Correct. So what I advocate is when my battery gets three years old, it's coming out. I'm going to just go ahead and check. I'm not going to wait for it to die because a brand-new battery, a fairly good high-quality battery, is about $90 bucks for the pay, most part. you go pay that in a tow bill. So, some are a little more. Some are a little less. But let's say a battery is 90 bucks. Well, it just costs me 30 bucks a year for a battery. Okay. That's the way I look at it because one record bill is – probably ninety two hundred bucks. bucks right plus my inconvenience and this is probably going to go out on a saturday afternoon when me and the wife are dressed up and ready all to go right. out to eat dinner even or...
1: worse than that sunday morning
0: yeah that's it that's <laughs> it i made bills church and i can't afford that that's <laughs> it i need all the good grace i can get <laughs> but gonna go out at a very inconvenient time now i'm stranded i gotta try to get a battery where i can no telling what i'm gonna pay for it no telling who i'm gonna have to have to change it for me so I just pick and choose. When my battery is close to three years, it's coming out. I'm sure. going to put a new battery in. And if you want the old one, hey, let me know. I'll give it to you. Go ahead and get whatever you can get out of it. last five years, God bless you. I'm happy for you. Right. But I'm not going to push it beyond that because I'm an odds player. It's, it's not worth the inconvenience. It's really not to me. So just something you might want to think about. We're going back to our phone line. we got Kevin online. Good morning, Kevin.
2: Hey, guys. How's it going? Good, Good great, sir. Good morning. Quick question for you. I just had tires put on, Uh huh. and I realized after I left, uh didn't get an alignment. Uh-huh. And my concern is the tires that came off on the front, the insides were worn smooth. Okay.
1: okay.
0: Well, that's one sign of a right. bad alignment, Kevin. You don't automatically need an alignment every time you get tires. That's kind of one of those things a lot of times place will try to sell you an alignment every time and that's just not the case. If you've got but, a
1: qualified technician doing the work for you, he can look at the tires and and tell this car needs an alignment or this car doesn't
0: need alignment by the way the tires have worn, the way the car drives when he test drives it. Mm-hmm. And whether or not the steering wheel is centered, correct. That's the three signs of an alignment. One is when you're driving straight, the steering wheel should be straight and level. Number two is it should not pull to the right or left. And number three is it should not wear the tires. And any one of those three means a side of alignment. I've seen, ironically, cars that drive perfectly straight, the steering wheel is perfectly centered, but it eats the tires. And then I've seen pull like a Banshee one way and not wear a tire. So any one of those three would indicate the need of a realignment. Okay. So
2: I, yeah, I just should probably be on the safe side and just get it checked.
0: Yes, yeah, sir. I would go back to the tire store and just have them check the alignment. I always advocate people to get the alignment where they buy their tires. The reason being, that way you got one guy to look at if you have a problem. We have a lot of people that come to us because they like us to line their car, and that's fine. I don't tell them no, but if you buy your tires one place and get it aligned somewhere else, and down the road, you come to me, and you have a problem. And I say, hey, it's the tire causing the problem. So you go back to the tire store and say, oh, no, the alignment caused the problem. Well, now you're stuck. You're caught between two guys. So it's better to go to one guy, get both done. That way, if there's a problem, you know right who to look at. Okay. All righty? Very good. All right, Kevin. Thank you. Thank you, man. Right. Bye-bye. 499-9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive aisle, we'd love to have you. That's one of those things that a lot of times, every time you go in for a set of tires, they're going to try to talk into alignment. Sure And not only is that not good, that can actually be detrimental because not everybody can align a car properly. And you may have a car that has no problem at all. And they may go in there and tinker with it and actually create a problem. So... If the car is not wearing tires, let's say your old tires lasted 65,000 miles. Or evenly smooth across the tread pattern. Perfectly even wear on them. It's not pulling right. It's not pulling left. The steering wheel is centered when you drive straight. Then leave the alignment alone. Correct. I had a Toyota Land Cruiser that when I bought it, I went ahead and checked the alignment because I never trust the alignment on a new car. It's usually good when it leaves the factory. By the time they transport the car and all that. They, oh, you'd be surprised yeah. at what
1: they look like when they get to where they're going.
0: Yeah, we line that vehicle I had 6,000 miles on it. I set the alignment, and I had 196,000 when I sold the vehicle, I never touched the alignment again. I think we put, what, two sets of tires I on it? I put two sets of tires and 196,000 miles. There you go. So, I was doing okay. I was going to say, that's pretty darn good. <laughs> but, but yeah, you don't have to continually realign a car. Some people confuse alignment with maintenance. It's not really a maintenance item at all, it's a repair. When you need it, you need it, but when you don't need it, there's no reason to do it. Correct. Because you're not going to gain anything. We're going back to our phone lines with Paul. Good morning, Paul.
2: Good morning, guys. Yes, I sir. Got a brand new Nissan. I just bought it about six weeks ago. Uh huh. Car's doing fine. We leave it parked for a week.
4: Uh huh.
2: Come back, battery's totally dead. Get the car started. bringing it over to Nissan, mm-hmm. and the guys tell me there's absolutely nothing wrong with well,
0: it. Well, that's not true. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, I know that. Yeah, uh, it was a big disagreement. So I'm just looking for some pointers. What I would
0: suspect on it, Paul, is you have what they call a parasitic draw. And if you go on my website and just go to the search bar and type in the word parasitic, it's going to bring up a nice article on that topic, and it'll tell you all about it. Parasitic draws are very, very strange on modern cars because you've got a lot, a lot of things that stay on when they shouldn't that you won't know anything about. Right. For instance, that car probably has about 60 computers on it. And those computers will time out or go to sleep when you turn the key off. Some of them go off immediately. Some of them time out after a period of time. However, if there's something going on, and let's say one of the modules is pinging another module for whatever reason, then it's going to keep that awake, and it may wake another one up, another one up. Well, before you know it, you've got 30 computers awake. That's going to draw a battery down a pretty short period of time, and that can be checked for. You just have to have somebody who cares enough to check. Most likely what they did, they did a load test on the battery, and it was okay, and they checked the alternator, and it was put out, so it says nothing wrong. Right. Well that's kinda kinda yeah. kind of like going to the doctor and you say, Doc, you know, I feel really, really bad. He checks your blood pressure, so it's okay, he checks your temperature, okay, so well, you're perfectly healthy. Well, I could have a brain tumor. I mean, I could be eaten up with cancer. That's two tests out of a whole bunch. So you just have to have somebody knows to check a little deeper than that. But sounds like you probably have a parasitic draw of some sort. It could be something as simple as a relay sticking on, it could be something that's plugged in, something that's not configured properly, but it should be able to be found. You just need to hold your feet to the fire while you're under warranty. Yeah, you know, being on the warranty, you know, I hate to bring it somewhere to get charged for it. I mean, That's so I, right. Well, paying another Nissan dealer? Or? Yeah, I mean, you, you paid could. You paid for that warranty. That That's was including right. the price of your car. That was probably about two grand dumped on the price of that car to handle your warranty. So it's not like they're giving you something for nothing. You should expect the same exact level of service that you would if you were paying for it. Right. So what I would do is go back and just say, hey, guys, I want to be nice about this. I love my car. I like coming here. But it's not normal for my battery to go dead in one week. I should be able to let my car sit a week and not have a dead battery. Don't tell sure. me that's normal. So what we need to do is find out why this is occurring. And I'd like you to do that for me. And I'm not one to make veiled threats. You just can't find it. I'm going to take it somewhere else, and I'm going to get it found, and then I'm going to come back and hand you the bill because I've already paid you for warranty service, and you're not giving it to me. And I would probably be nice about it. I wouldn't shout and scream and all that. But you need to just let them know, hey, you're going to have to fix this. Okay. I
4: appreciate all right. it. Okay, Paul. Thanks, man.
0: Bye-bye. 499-9526 number if you want to be part of the automotive hour we'd love to have you and take another quick little break and we'll be right back with more of the automotive hour
3: mike roan here with baton rouge's newest talk show my oh my dedicated to helping people who thought the world would end december 21st 2012 Collar, you're on the air. Mike, I'm up the creek. So, what did you do?
0: I maxed out all my credit cards,
3: sold my stocks, my house, and my boat so I could travel the world before the world ended. Kept my 85 Mustang, though. Well, one thing I can recommend is to take your car in for regular maintenance at Agco Automotive. By taking care of your car, you'll save money in the long run by not having to pay for huge repairs. And with the money you save, you can pay down some of that debt. If you want to learn more about why Agco is the place to go, visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot There's one other big problem. I sold all my vital organs on a website in Uzbekistan, and now someone named Aziz keeps showing up on my caller ID. Well, hmm, lay low, brother. Lay low. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the
0: Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between the us, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Go ahead and give us calls call. It's 499-9526. And a
1: 225 in front of that will get you from anywhere in the continental United States you, to us. You got it, Toyota. Till 11
0: o'clock. <laughs> Till 11 o'clock. <laughs> at which time they just kind of give us a whoosh, boom. That's it. The bums rush. Get us on out of here. So call at one minute to 11. You're probably not going to get much information you're going to have to go to the website (laughs) to get it then that's right and of course that's always a great place to go and get information correct pop on there if you just don't see what you're looking for there's a contact bar on every single page you can send me an email
1: that's right the address is agcoauto.com that is a g c o a u t o dot com to remember that's altazan's garage company that's right that'll get you there and get your questions answered you
0: got it and of course tons of other things you can do while you're on there just peruse around Pop around, hit a couple of those little buttons on the left-hand side, and that'll bring you to different categories. And every one of those have more categories under them, and every one of those have more categories under those. So. That's it. There's especially one I like. It's called the glossary. Yeah, go to a glossary. Glossary of
1: automotive terms.
0: Mm-hmm. Got all kinds of terms that people use and throw around a lot. And For instance, if you don't know what a TPS is, you can go in there and it'll tell you. Exactly. RSF. TPM. Or or TPM or whatever. ECM. Whatever. Whatever the abbreviation one of those, is. You know those silly little acronyms that shops like to use to confuse people? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to our finalizer. Troy, good morning, Troy. Hey, good morning, guys. Good hey, morning.
5: I have a 2004 GMC pickup truck. Okay. And I hear y'all talk about General Motors fuel pumps. Yes, right. Sir, uh-huh. It's got about 83,000 miles on it. Okay. Do y'all recommend changing those pumps? As a maintenance item? Roy,
0: I don't normally, unless there's some sign of it going. I'm not real big on preemptive repair just because the one you get may not be a whole lot better than the one you're taking out. I mean, if it starts to do something strange, like let's say it gets hard to start, you cranks and cranks without starting sometimes, or let's say you start to hear a whining noise from the back of the truck, then I would change it. But I wouldn't just go in and change it just on a maybe because I have seen them go 200,000 miles, and I've seen replacements go out in a month. So I'm not real, real big on just doing things on a maybe. I look at overall lowest costs, and I just don't think that's going to be your overall lowest cost, unless there's some other symptom combined with it.
5: I know that, that the trucks in the 90s, when they hit 100,000 miles, you're going to board time with those
0: things. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, some of them, but not all. Like I said, I have seen them go 200,000 miles in the original pump. It just kind of luck of the draw. And if you use a good grade of fuel, you're gonna have a lot less trouble with that. If you use the discount fuels and no name fuels and all that, we seem to see a lot more problems with those. But if you're using a good name brand of fuel, you change your filter every so often. I think I'd leave it be if it were my truck. I wouldn't change it just on a maybe. Well, okay. All righty. Appreciate you time. Thanks. All right, sir. 499 9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, line, we'd love to have you. And we've got Susan online. Good morning, Susan.
4: Good morning. I hope I get all the facts right. Okay. But my son has a, if not, I'll have to call back. There you go. a problem. has a Ford 250 truck. Mm-hmm. And every time, like if it's raining, and you know the, the panel, the door panel, it's got all the automatic door opener and all that kind yes, of stuff. Yes, ma'am. If that gets wet, it blows a fuse.
0: Okay. Okay.
4: And then he can't get in. With yeah.
0: Is it a later model truck,
4: Susan? Yeah, it's like only two years old. Yeah, I was gonna say the newer Ford. For- yeah, the
0: newer Ford trucks are having a lot of trouble with that. The most of the time, we're finding a problem in the wiring. I've got another customer who has a 2011 250, and he's having a very similar problem. And he brought it in the other day. We started looking for it, but he ran out of time. He had to pick it up. We didn't have enough time to find it for him, but we did isolate it down to a shorted wire in the wiring harness itself. And so oh, it'd be okay. kind of hard to say without seeing a truck, but that's kind of yeah. strange. I've seen three or four of these already on the newer Ford trucks, and I don't know right. if they're kind of cheaping out on the wire or what they're doing, but it seems to have a lot of problems with the wiring on those that has to do with the, with the windows and the door locks and all that. Like I said, yeah, I know yeah. we've seen it several times. And I know on his, he's going to get it back in next week, and I'll check it and see. But narrowed it down to a stretch between the front door and the back door on the driver's side. There's a broken okay. or shorted wire somewhere in that okay. harness itself.
4: He's taken it back so many times to the place where he bought it. Yeah, and, and you're probably not ever going to get that
0: fixed there. I'm going right. to tell you, you're going to have to find someone who is willing to go in and do it. Because all they're going to do, they're going to get yep. in and hit the button two or three times. Well, it works, and they're going to give it back to you. Yeah, And right, it's a whole other show about why that occurs, but you're probably not you going to be able to How
4: can we find out if there's a recall or anything on it? We've been on the Internet.
0: Yeah, there is no recall that I'm aware of. You can go to the Highway Traffic Safety Administration, type in the VIN number, and it'll give you all the active recalls on the thing. So just go in and Google Highway Traffic Safety Administration, and then you'll go to the site that says recalls, and you can type in your VIN number. It'll tell you any active recalls, but I know there are none on that at this time. Yeah.
4: Okay. All right. Well, I'll give him all this information. All right. Thank you. Yes, Yes, ma'am. Thanks for
0: calling. Bye-bye. 499-9526 499 number if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour. Yeah, that's two calls almost back-to-back. Back right. That kind of bring up a good point. I know we're just about out of time, but I'm going to try to make it brief. But one reason why we experience such poor warranty service for the most part, and that's a broad statement because right. some, some warranty are service great. is very good. But it's the way that manufacturers compensate the technicians for their work, and that is they pay them a flat rate, which is an, a stated amount that they get for doing a job. And what happens is that, let's say, finding a problem like that parasitic draw we talked about earlier. Correct. It may only pay two-tenths of an hour to do these tests. So if this guy spends two hours, he gets paid two-tenths of an hour sure. to do it. So he's just not going to do it. Right. And I guess if the guy was a saint, he probably would do it. But well, he'd be people, starving to death. But he's going to starve to death. Yeah, right. It's, it's kind of a real short-sighted system where they don't pay them for the amount of time it requires to do it. So they're just not going to put out the effort to find it. And it's real, real bad because the customer's paid for this warranty, but he's just not getting the service. Sure, and
1: that all comes back to buying a vehicle. You get poor service where you bought this vehicle. The likelihood of you going back and buying another
0: one is going to be slim. Yo, that's well they my fault. they don't see that. Yeah, well, short-sighted. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We're going back to our phone lines with Steve. Good morning, Steve.
4: Hey, good morning. Got good morning. a question.
2: Got a 2012 Maxima. Okay. And was wondering, I mean, gas is high, mm-hmm. there's uh, premium fuel recommended. Yes, sir. Is it okay to burn regular? No, sir. No, sir. What it's going to do,
0: that vehicle has higher compression than, say, a standard vehicle does. That's why it requires the higher octane fuel. What octane does, Steve, is that it slows down the burning process, so it's a more controlled process. As your compression gets higher, the explosion is more violent. Right. Now, what will happen is that with a lower grade of fuel, as the piston is coming up the cylinder, As it starts to compress the fuel-air mixture, it can actually ignite before the spark goes off. That's called pre-ignition or detonation. That's when you accelerate, you hear that kind of a noise. Right. That is actually doing a tremendous amount of damage. It will burn holes in tops of pistons. It will blow head gaskets. The pressure in the combustion chamber goes sky high when that occurs. So that's why it requires the premium fuel. And if you put the lower-grade fuel, what's going to happen first is that it's going to start to knock and ping. There's a part called a knock sensor that's going to realize that. It's going to retard the ignition timing to try to prevent that. Now, when that happens, your gas mileage is going to go down and your power is going to go down. So you're probably going to come out about the same. When you consider the extra gas you're going to burn, it's going to be about the same. But even if you can't hear it, it can still be occurring, and it will definitely end up damaging the car No, I would not ever, ever do that. That's false economy. You're not going to save anything. You're going to end up with a blown head gasket or a warped head or something like that, which could cost you 10 times the amount you're going to save. It's just the car you got.
5: And I understand. So what about mid-grade? Is that okay or still stick with Only
0: if it says mid-grade acceptable. You'd have to read the owner's manual. Some of them specify 93. Some specify 91. If it says 91 acceptable, that's the mid-grade. Then, yes, you could get by with that. If it requires premium, it's going to say 93. That's the difference in the two. Now, one highlight, I guess, is that ethanol, for all its bad properties, it is like adding octane to your fuel. So the ethanol fuel does help just a little bit with that, but only a little bit because they cut back on the other stuff that they add because the ethanol is giving them more octane, so they cut back on the other stuff that gives octane. So you end up with sort of a net gain there.
2: Okay, one more quick question. Where to get your gas? Does it make a difference?
0: I like using name brand fuels, and I got an article on my website. If you want to go on and just do the search bar on gasoline, it'll give you a whole whole bunch of information on it, the difference in the two, but I always use name brand fuel in my cars. And try to stay with a high flow station. Yeah, a station does a lot of volume. Right. Oh, one other quick question. Well, I tell you, you I'm just just out of time completely. I appreciate you calling. Maybe come back next week, and I'll be glad to answer that for you. Hey, I want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. I'd
1: like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week, and tell your friends, go to iTunes, give us a written rating, we really yeah, really appreciate, really appreciate that.
0: those written ratings. It kind of lets us know we're doing a good job, and also moves us up so more people can hear us. Exactly, hey, pre was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.